The heart, Enayat, Noor's father had said, always tells the truth. True religion is the sea of truth. What begins in deception ends in deception. Could anyone, he asked, with any sincerity in his nature, experience daily the insecurity, falsehood, and crudity of human nature and avoid suffering? Maybe not, but the SOE was based on insincerity and falsehood. Mendacity was an agent's stock in trade. Agents couldn't be honest or truthful. Without deceit and guile, an agent was a dud, probably a dead dud. Arthur Megiddo, in code name Madeleine. Welcome to Delmarva today. I'm your host, Harold Wilson. My guest today is Arthur Megiddo and we're discussing his Pulitzer Prize-nominated book in the biography, memoir, category, codename Madeleine, a Sufi spy in Nazi-occupied Paris. Arthur was on the program about a year ago to discuss his book. And now that the paperback version is out, I've invited Arthur back to talk again about his book and the trajectory the book has taken over the past year. Arthur, welcome to Delmarva today. Thank you, Harold. I'm very pleased to be here and it's very wonderful to be talking with you again. Well, it's great to see you, uh, to see you again. But Arthur, uh, remind us uh, again of your book. It's been a year. And tell us about uh, Noor and who she is and, and why in the first place you decided to write uh, this book about her. Sure. Uh, Noor Anayat Khan was probably one of the most overlooked secret agents of the Second World War, one of the most principled, one of the bravest, and like many others, she was eventually killed. But along with her death came, in a sense, the death of her memory, because she's, she's known by very, very few people. And when I first came across Nora Nayakan entirely by accident, I was stumped, I was bewildered, I was bewitched. Who is this Nora Nayat Khan? I thought to myself, and why haven't I heard why haven't I heard of her? And why hasn't the rest of the world heard of her? Nora came to me very, very indirectly, maybe about six years ago. I got an email from some friends who make documentary films, and they were telling me about about a new film they made. It was going to air on PBS in about four or five weeks. It's called Enemy of the Reich. I started reading it. Nora Nayad Khan was mentioned in the first graph because the movie was about her. An organization called the SOE, Special Operations Executive, in which Nora served, was also mentioned in the first paragraph. 
again, I have not heard of the SOE. I'm not doing well in the first paragraph from my friend. Second paragraph, though, they mentioned Hazrat Anayat Khan, who was Noor's father. Then I woke up because I was very familiar with Hazrat Anayat Khan. He was a major Sufi leader in the West. He's the guy who actually brought Sufism to the West in 1910. For Hazrat Anayat Khan's daughter, Anayat, to be serving as a secret agent in Nazi-occupied Paris was astounding and amazing. I, I, I almost pigeonholed a friend of mine, a fellow professor at the university where I was then teaching. He had access to some money for various programs. I said, look, I would like to screen this film here and we'll have a panel afterwards. Um, and that's before I even finished reading the uh, press release and before I'd even seen the movie, but that's how much faith I had in Noor early on. We screened it. We had a very, very large audience. I moderated a panel with a Holocaust scholar, a Sufi expert, and one of the producers of the film. And to prepare for all that, I had to read an awful lot about Noor Anayat Khan and about Sufism and about the SOE. And the more I read, the more I thought, a good book has yet to be written about Noor. I want to be the one to do it. Well, I, I wanted to ask you about the relationship between uh, and Noor and the attitude of, of the life that she had to lead. As, as a spy. For instance, in this opening paragraph from your book, uh, her father had taught her that uh, truth is incredibly important. And she had uh, adopted that, uh, that for herself, that view of, uh, of life. And yet at the same time, she became a spy for the SOE. And you said in your book, mendacity was an agent stock in trade. And in fact, if you didn't become deceitful, if you didn't become a liar, then you were in fact a, a, a dud of an agent and probably most likely a dead agent. How did Noor, as you, as you researched her and in your research came to know her yourself, how do you reconcile that relationship that she had for truth, for dignity, for honor, for respect, with the kind of attitude she had to adopt? to be a spy in Paris during the occupation by the Germans? Well, one of the huge, hugely admirable qualities about Noor is that she never varied from what her father, this major Sufi teacher, had taught her, had taught all his students. As you said, he taught that truth is all the religion there is. If we are honest, and if we are honest with ourselves and with those around us, 
we are being religious. Nor was able to abide by that and not do what most agents did and lied around the clock about their identity or about why they just happened to be in Paris by promising herself and one of her leaders back at the SOE in London that she would never say anything to the Germans if she was caught. She wouldn't lie. She just wouldn't say anything. And that's how she comported herself once she was captured in October 1943. She never, never varied and strayed from what her father had taught. Example, he said, have regards for the feeling of every soul. For the four and a half months that she was in Paris, staying several steps ahead of the Gestapo, she always regarded the feelings of every soul. She always respected everybody. At one point, another member of the resistance told her that a fellow resistant had probably betrayed her and was on the verge of turning her in to the Nazis. Nor said, no, no, no. We cannot judge him. We cannot judge anyone. We can only judge ourselves. Maybe she told the person who was confiding in her about this possible betrayer. Maybe the Nazis had his wife and they were holding her hostage. Maybe they were holding his son hostage, but we cannot judge anybody, not even this person who might be holding my fate in his hands. Her father also said, hold your ideal high in all circumstances. Day after day that Nora was in Paris, she held her ideals high. Do not neglect those who depend upon you. She never neglected them. That's why she was able to serve in Paris for four months, not the usual six weeks that the average SOE radio operator did while they were in Paris. And the one that stumps me day after day after day, given who she was and the odds of her surviving and the odds of her not being captured, is bear no malice against your worst enemy. I know how I feel about the Nazis. I've never met one, I hope, although we have a country in which they seem to be coming out of the woodwork. And here is Noor in Paris. <clears throat> have, bear no malice against your worst enemy. The worst enemy of almost all humanity was seeking her. She knew what they would do to her if they captured her. And yet, before and after capture, she bore them no malice. I mean, some people say Nora was a saint. I do not canonize people. I'm not in that business. But I have extraordinary respect and admiration that she could comport herself so well. She would never, never, never violate anything that her father taught. Not once while she was in Paris was she, quote, a bad Sufi. All the time she was there before her capture, she was as good and as honorable as any SOE agent, as any Sufi would be while doing this type of work. Well, Arthur, you talk about um, her honor. And in talking about her honor uh, in, a, 
in, in a strange way to me, you talk about the honor of the Nazis. And of course, I never consider uh, the Nazis having any honor, but, but that depends on how you define the term honor. I talk about, uh, about Noor's honor and how that honor uh, related to what you say in your book about um, uh, Nazi honor. Uh, yeah, Nazi honor is, is essentially an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, me. that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, Nazi honor, and especially the honor of those in the Gestapo, was essentially pledging your life, your honor, your integrity to Adolf Hitler. <clears throat> this was a man they venerated. This was also a man who, who terrified them. Um, Nor's honor was to truth. Nor's honor was to integrity. Nor's honor was to principle. Nor's honor was to love and to serve and to be selfless. These two forms of honor are obviously at odds with each other. There's no way to equal one with the other. Luckily, those who venerated Adolf Hitler went down in flames by the end of the war nor was killed September 13th, 1944 at Dachau. And I've been at Dachau and I've mourned at Dachau and I have kneeled in front of the crematorium where Noor's body was charred at Dachau. And she is the one who should be remembered with utmost respect, whether you go to Dachau, whether you're walking around Paris, whether you're remembering how people served in various ways during the Second World War, because one form of honor in no way equates with the other. Well, I want to come back um, in, in a few minutes to Noor's, uh, to Noor's death and the, the, actually the section you write about the, the reflections on, on, on her death at the hands of the Germans. But before that, you talk about the joy of sacrifice that, that Noor experienced. And, I, and I, I find that, Arthur, a, a strange kind of psychological experience that one would have a joy of uh, of sacrifice. It, um, it, uh, it, 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 sound, it sounds a little strange uh, to me. So talk to me about the joy of sacrifice that you say Anur uh, experienced. Well, I, and I understand completely why this sounds strange to you because Noor was truly a mystic. I have dealt with mystics and various mysticisms, and to do that, you have to place your head, your soul, your heart. It's almost as close to them as you can get. It's an entirely different way of perceiving yourself and perceiving the world and perceiving others. Her concept of joy revolved around being selfless and serving and helping. And ordinarily, she said, you know, 
we have these small sacrifices that we make in life. You know, we give people our time occasionally. We give people maybe contributions. I'm going to give a contribution to NPR as soon as we're done with, with this interview, I assure you. But these are small and certainly minor when compared to giving what she called the truest and the most important sacrifice, which was the sacrifice of one's self. Her father, to continue with him just for a moment, said that you, you have to view those who can do this, those, can, those who can experience the joy of sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, view humanity without thinking they are German or English or French. They are equally dear to him or her. The awakened soul looks at all full of forgiveness to these souls. Judgment Day does not come after death. For that soul, every day is a judgment day. For Noor, every day was judgment day. And she did not want to fall short of the mark. So joy of sacrifice is a peculiar concept. It's an odd concept. But given who she was, given her devotion to Sufism, given her acceptance of, of what her father called these rules of chivalry, of helping others and serving others, to me, after spending a lot of time with Naranaya Khan, it's not odd at all, and it rings completely true. And well, I would just hope that in our society and indeed in our world today, more people would wish to engage in such joy maybe not sacrificing ourselves. So um, we are extinguished, as nor was at Dachau, but sacrificing ourselves to aid others, to be with others, to hold the hand of others, to console others, and to guide others through what is still a very disturbing and unsettled culture in this land. Well, from what you say, it sounds like actually uh, a very helpful and beneficial attitude that one might develop toward life. And, and, I, and I use that term uh, specifically, a healthy and helpful attitude. Uh, and, of course, and of course, also a very productive attitude as as well how is nur captured and why i uh, and, and why was she killed uh two excellent questions thank you very much nor uh, landed in a very rickety airplane in the middle of france on the countryside in june 16th 1943 the Germans captured her mid-October 1943, roughly four and a half months after she landed. All that time, they knew there was an agent somewhere in their midst who was sending truly important messages back to London. They didn't know how important until D-Day the next year when some of Noor's messages were put into action and uh, literally 100,000 German troops were prevented from reaching Normandy on June 6, 1944. But the Germans had basically put 
an all-points bulletin out for Noor beginning early fall of 43. She was captured when um, the brother of a member of the resistance told the Germans where her apartment was, what time of day she was usually there. Also told them that Noor sometimes kept her radio there kept the code to all her messages there as well. So an agent was waiting for Noor to return. There was a bit of a tussle. Uh, Noor, Noor put up such a resistance to this one agent that he had to make a phone call back to headquarters and about six or seven came back to aid him. Noor was finally taken by car to 84 Avenue Fatsch, mansion the Germans had turned into um, one of their headquarters, the Gestapo headquarters in Paris. She was interrogated for a couple of hours. She was finally taken to her cell and she was kept there at 84 Avenue Fatsch for roughly six, seven weeks. And um, during that time, she made two escape attempts. After the second one, which she did with two other prisoners, she was given a choice. You have to give your word of honor never to escape again. If you don't, we're sending you to Germany. Nor, as we said before, honored honor, nor respected truth. It's all the religion that there is. She would not make that promise. The next day she was sent by train to Germany and for 10 months, she was in solitary in a prison in the city of Forsheim in chains, wrist to wrist, ankle to ankle, and a chain linking both of those. She was kept there till um, mid-September, 44, taken by train down to Dhaka, where she was killed the next day. Why was she killed? For no good reason at all. <clears throat> the Germans could have let her stay at uh, 84 Avenue Fudge if they wished. They, she represented no threat to them. They could have let her stay in that horrible prison in Forsheim. She represented no threat to them. But the Germans, the Nazis being Nazis, killed her. One reason possibly is that previous July, before Noor's murder, several Germans attempted to sacrifice Hitler, the July 20th, 1944 attempt. <clears throat> this was the closest anybody ever came to actually killing Hitler. He was furious and he decided shortly after that to kill as many other top Nazis as he could, who he thought might betray him and to kill as many British prisoners of war who were in German prisons at that time. Nor was among them, certainly, and the other three SOA women who she was killed with at Dachau, September 13th, 44, were among them as well. So this was her murder was simply <clears throat> British. Uh, I'm sorry. Her murder was simply Hitler's revenge on the innocent and Hitler's revenge on those who were trying to save the world from him. Arthur. Let, let me let me switch um, gears just a little bit uh, on you. You, as I said, you lived with this woman, and and the book is is a significant piece of work from a personal point of view. 
How did this book change you? How did writing, learning, studying, nor change you? Strongly and emphatically, and, <laughs> and I hope irrevocably, this book, this individual, nor changed me very much for the better. Not, not that I was a bad person before. <laughs> I can't imagine you being a bad person, <laughs> Arthur. Thank you. I appreciate that. But Nor Nor affected me in multiple ways. One thing, she reaffirmed my own spirituality. She reaffirmed much of what I had done in my past regarding spiritual endeavors, some of which I had forgotten or, or let lie fallow for a while. And I've returned to that, whether it's meditation, whether it's chanting, whether it's being a good person. And she has assured me that my particular self-made blend of Judaism and Hinduism and Buddhism are all correct for me. And they all bear fruit for me. And she's also confirmed that what I call spirituality in action, not just sitting on a Zafu pillow, if you do Zen meditation, but emerging into the world with, with whatever you learned from that experience and bringing that to others, bringing that calm and respect for others to the world. So maybe you too can engage in the joy of some kind of sacrifice. Uh, and also spirituality uh, in action for me uh, corresponds to what Jews call tikkun alum, which translates roughly as uh, repairing the world or mending the world. Nor was repairing, nor was mending. I would like to mend as much as I can. Um, a few concrete, very specific examples of how this affected me. I'm a really annoying person these days, even though I said before that you know, the Nor experience has made me a better person. I am extraordinarily grateful when anybody does anything for me. A few weeks ago, somebody did a really minor, minor favor for me. And I thank them, and I thank them, and I should have shut up but I thanked them one more time. And this person whom I was thanking said, that's really enough. I said, no, I am grateful. And I want you to know how grateful I am. And another time, maybe a few months ago, I had um, given somebody what I thought was really valuable advice. And she completely ignored it. And I was uh, offended, as I tend to be. And I didn't talk to her for three or four days. And then just like Noor could forgive that resistant in Paris in 43, who other people said had betrayed her to the Germans, I forgave my friend. And this was a much more minor offense than what that resistant had possibly done to Noor. So I'm grateful and I forgive. Noor's made me a better person. Let me ask you, Tell us a little bit about the trajectory of this book. It's a little over a year old now, and um, the paperback version is out, and I encourage people, please, to uh, read it and 
uh, buy it and and to read it. It is a wonderful book. But uh, a little bit of the trajectory of the book. I know that it was nominated for the Pulitzer. What else has happened with this book in the interim? Um, the, the, this book uh, has been one of the surprises of great surprises of my entire life. Yes, it's been nominated for a Pulitzer. It's also been optioned for a film that occurred last October. And almost every day I hear phone calls from strangers, emails from strangers, how the book has affected them. And that is so rewarding and so satisfying. Um, last um, September, I remember I got an email from a Jewish librarian in Brooklyn. She just finished my book. She was going to recommend it to all the patrons in her library. And that was great. But being Jewish, she was also planning to say Kaddish, the Jewish prayer for the dead on the coming September 13th, which would have been the anniversary of Noor's murder at Dachau. <clears throat> there have been people who have told me they cried. The actress who uh, has bought the option for a film told me she cried repeatedly while reading the book. I didn't want to make people cry, but I'm glad people cried but this shows how deeply they connected to Noor. And the first, <laughs> the first time, in fact, when somebody told me they cried while reading the book was about a year and a half ago. Um, I was visiting a daughter up in Maine. I got an email from my proofreader at Norton. She said she was about halfway through, three quarters of the way through, and she couldn't stop crying every few pages. My daughter came down to lunch. I said, Amy, I'm so happy. I just made a total stranger cry. <laughs> So the response has been way beyond anything I could have expected. Well, Arthur, I want to thank you very, very much for joining me today. And I want to thank, thank all you of you much. for listening. This is Delmarva Today. I'm your host, Harold Wilson.